you're listening to Payments Innovation, a podcast dedicated to helping business leaders navigate today's global digital economy. Looking to learn about the latest innovations within fintech and payments? You've come to the right place. Let's get into the show. Welcome to another episode of the Payments Innovation Podcast. This is your host, Brady Burkett. And today I'm joined by Brendan Holt Dunn. He's the CEO of the Holden Family Office and also the founder of the Holt Fintech Accelerator. Brendan, welcome to the show. Thank you, Brady, for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, really excited to have you and have you share your story with our listeners today. So as a, as a way to start, Brendan, if you wouldn't mind giving some background about you know where you came from, how you got into finance, what you're doing at your family office, and then maybe touch on what your fintech accelerator is up to today. Sure. Yeah, I can just really kind of start at the beginning and maybe a little background about our family office and then how I got involved in it. So we are a fifth generation family office started by my great great grandfather, Sir Herbert Holt. He is, uh, came over to Canada from Ireland, settled in Quebec City, and then now and then later on moved to Montreal. So our original office is, is still exists in Montreal uh, for for our family office. He was uh, widely recognized as one of the most successful businessmen in Canadian history. Ended up controlling over three hundred companies around the globe. That as the president of twenty seven major corporations at the same time. Uh, most notably, the companies that people outside of Canada would would be aware of or know the name. Uh, he was the longest serving president and chairman of the Royal Bank of Canada for around 35 years. CP Rail, one of the largest rail companies in Canada. And Montreal Light, Heat and Power, which is one of the largest energy producers in North and South America. Uh, that was nationalized and still exists today and is known as Quebec Hydro or, or Hydro-Quebec. Uh, after that, uh, we were a single family office for four generations. Uh, we're now a multifamily office, so we manage our family as the, as the anchor client, as well as other high net worth individuals, other families, or charitable organizations such as foundations or endowments. Prior to me, my grandfather ran it, my dad ran it. My dad still sits as chairman. I'm now running the business on a day-to-day basis. I kind of came into the family office after I graduated from university. Given my, I, I've always expressed or had an interest uh, or attraction to finance. It was not forced upon me. Just something that I naturally gravitated to. My dad supported and, and um, I guess nurtured that that um, that drive to be in finance, and uh, started at the bottom and worked with my father and learned from him. And over time, slowly took on more and more responsibilities until it was a point where it was a natural kind of transition for, for me to step in and, and run it on a day to day, and my dad to act as as chairman. So hopefully, that kind of gives you a background of uh, what we are and where we are today. So as a, as a multifamily office, we, we have our original family office headquarters in Montreal. We now have an office in Miami, in Bahamas, and in Cayman. That's, that's really helpful, Brendan. Thanks. Uh, and you know, your work with your FinTech Accelerator program, um, what's the link between your family office and getting involved in, in incubating startups? Yeah, first, just uh, on the brand. So Holden uh, comes from... Jane Holt, who was Sir Herbert Holt's granddaughter, she married Tim Dunn. So Holt Dunn is, you know, kind of, as you get lazy, becomes Holden. So that's where the brand came from is when the Holt and Dunn families merged and the family Holt Co. is branded Holden. So Holden Family Office is is where the where the brand is. But anything, we decided that anything that we do fintech specific, we use the, the Holt brand, kind of keep two, the two things separate. But they are very closely or uh, intertwined. So 
as we were, when we became a multifamily office and, and, and we started, we, as most people know, the, the traditional portfolio of a 60-40 or balanced portfolio of equities and fixed incomes does, uh, does not, it's not good enough anymore. It's not the most efficient portfolio. You need alternative investments, be it real estate, venture capital, whatever it is. But to build the best portfolio for your client, you have to look outside of just stocks and bonds. Our, and, and when we became a multifamily office in the VC space, and we realized that when we were looking at fintech deals, we could be a lot bigger value add as an active investor in those deals than any other deals. And, and we quickly came to the understanding that internally, we believe that we have a, a reputation based on our network and our past experience in our family office in the financial and technology space, which gives us a great network and a great amount of expertise. So uh, any other type of deal, be it in VC or or real estate or something, we're more passive and we're not a lead investor and we're not we can't pretty we can't provide much active participation or value add to those investments except for obviously cutting checks. Mm-hmm. And when it came to fintech, we knew we felt and we've shown that we could be quite active and helpful uh, and value add to those investments. So at that point, we so we started thinking, well, how can we how can we organize this better rather than just you know, getting a whole bunch of deals on an annual basis and screening them ourselves. And you're kind of still shooting fish in a barrel at that point, or it's not as institutionally organized as it would be in another way. So we came to the conclusion that if we had our own fintech accelerator, it would be beneficial for us as investors, but also it would be a great company to be involved in and, and own part of. And it could be great for the, the fintech ecosystem, but it also could be a better way to get more companies to um, invest capital on an annual basis than just us trying to do a deal at a time through the family office. So we created the FinTech Accelerator. It's out of Montreal. Montreal is like the AI hub of the world right now. Obviously, being Canadian, we wanted to make sure that the, the accelerator was based in Canada to support the overall Canadian ecosystem. Uh, and Montreal made sense because the, the accelerators run out of our family office, so we give them office space. They can meet our team from the family office so we can get a lot of dialogue going on internally between the family, the accelerator companies and, and the family office. So what we've done, launched it about three years ago. We've had two cohorts, as they say, in the, in the accelerator program. The first one, we had 12 teams. Uh, this year, we have eight teams. And we've had over 1,000 applications over those two years. So we're really picking the top 1% or 2% of, of fintech uh, startups from around the world that apply. But it is more organized and structured if you're looking from the family office side. So if you have a thousand applications, let's just assume it's over the same time, it's irrelevant. But over those a thousand applications, we do an internal screening, narrowed down probably the top 200, 300, meaning like have they completed all the questions? Are they, are they actually in FinTech? Is, is the actual application finalized and, and full? And you narrow it down to what looks like the top 300 that might be interesting. At that point, all of those those companies would have a 30-minute video chat with someone from the accelerator and one of our numerous advisors. So we have over 220 advisors now on the on the whole fintech accelerator. They range from you know high-level C-suite executives at banks uh, to the CTOs of banks to VC funds, some of the top VC funds around the world, to angel investors, to family offices, to seed investors, to wh- whichever anyone that'd be interested in investing in fintech companies. Uh, which goes back to our value add is the network we can bring. So these co- top 300 companies would have a video interview with someone from the accelerator and one of our advisors. 
There's a list of questions that they get hammered out. And that happens over a, you know, a couple months span. And then that, based on all the feedback from all those calls, we narrow it down to the top 30 teams every year. And those 30 teams then get invited to a face-to-face uh, speed dating schedule called like Selection Day in Montreal, where, again, we have another 200 to 300 advisors participating face-to-face. To, and it's over a two-day period. And they, they meet every, every company and they have to pitch and there's question asks. And then again, we take those top 30 teams and provided the feedback from all the advisors and people in attendance of that day, narrowed down to roughly the top 10. Wow. Uh, so it's a huge funnel, right, that you really can't do on your own if you're just looking, if you're just getting deal flow as a family office or a private investor. This is the, the way the accelerator runs or any accelerator runs. It's a lot more formalized and, and a professional due diligence funnel uh, for your deal flow. So as an investor, it kind of reduces your risk because you have... 200 to 300 people looking at these deals before they even make it to the top 10. And at that point, the top 10 get invited. Top 10 I'm using as an average. Obviously, this year we picked eight. The top 10 get invited to the program, and they spend three months in the actual accelerator program in our offices in Montreal. And they go through a um, very organized, structured, intense three-month program focused on, you know, depends on which each company needs. So it's tailor-made to each company. Maybe they need help finishing their, their presentations or their financials or their sales deck, or someone might be focused on, I need to raise capital or I need my, I need my first client, institutional client. But through that program, you know, we get very intimate knowledge on them, spending three months with them, more than you would ever get if you're just looking at deal flow on your own. And at the end of the program, uh, not only is the accelerator invested in each of these companies, but most of them are doing a raise at the, at the end of the program or in the near future. And we have the first right to invest in those raises for those companies. So it's how are they intertwined? I'm sorry, that's very long. I, you know, if I'm obviously happy to go back and, and set, break these things down a little easier for you if I'm speaking too quickly. But how we see it is, is the family office, us, our owners of the accelerator, along with our clients. So we created this business because we thought we could act, it could be a successful business, which it has proven. But it also benefits the ecosystem. It benefits the startup community. It gives a lot more startups access to potential investors or clients. But it also, from an investor standpoint, allows us to more thoroughly screen and research our companies before we invest in them as a, as a venture capital investment. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. It really sounds like your family office is providing a few uh, key, key sources of value for these fintech startups. The first is that network that you mentioned that's actually vetting these companies. And, and I want to come back to that. But also, it, it sounds like you're able to look at these companies through the lens of an actual financial services firm. So first, on the network side, you mentioned the advisors are helping you screen the companies. Do, do your startups have access to your network once they yeah. get the accelerator program? Yes. And, and it, we kind of say the accelerator is kind of like a speed, uh, like a dating or a broker, right? Our job is to find the best, the best startups and introduce them to the people that need those services. So we get a list of problems from a lot of our, our partners. Let's say it's a bank and they say, here's what we're looking for. This is the problems we have internally. And we use that. We get a lot of that information from as, as many partners as we can. And we use that when we're actually looking at the applicants for the program. So our job is, is basically facilitating introductions, saying, hey, Brady, you work at XYZ Bank. You said you've had this problem. Here's a great startup that fits. It's solving your problem. 
we're going to bring them in the accelerator. We're going to work with them for three months and then we're going to hand them off to you. So it increases our level of, of, I guess, success ratios, but we pretty much know the problems that our partners, advisors are looking to solve every year and using that to pre-screen the thousands of applications that we get. So it better, it's a better chance that we can actually find the marriage between a startup and a company or, or a financial institution. Uh, but yes, during the program, we have all the advisors can participate on, on the weekly calls we have with each team. Some of them who might be interested in what they're doing become more active or supervisors and choose to mentor one or two teams more often than weekly. But during the program, I, I might know, hey, Brady needs access to this bank or needs access to this VC fund. They see all of our advisors. They have, an access, they have a list of them. And then my job is then make the personal introduction to, from the startup to that, to that potential advisor or partner or VC fund. So, yes, they have access to that. And that's our job is to really facilitate the introduction and relationship between an excellent fintech company and the end user, be it a financial institution or an investor, be it a venture capital fund or angel investor, et cetera. Got it. It sounds like your startups can really benefit from that network in the long run. And I want to come back to something you mentioned, how you're using your clients and your own experience in the financial services industry to guide how you're selecting the companies that are put in your accelerator program. Nailing down on some specific trends in the industry, are you noticing uh, some common themes about the companies that you're working with over the last few years? Are there specific challenges that you're trying to tackle um, or, or your companies are trying to tackle that you're supporting? Not really. I'm not saying this in a negative way, but it, it's really each of one of our partners has different internal problems, right? So bank ABC might be completely different than bank you know XYZ. So what we see is just a different list, list of problems every year. And it's not, it's not our job to say, well, I, I'm Brendan. I really believe that this area of fintech is going to be the next big thing. It's irrelevant. Uh, if I know that there's X problems that need to be solved and I can find the, the startups that are solving those problems, then I, it's a better chance that both sides of the coin are going to be happy. The financial institutions, we've brought them a partner that they can use. And the, and the startup is successful and has the financial institution as a client. Obviously, in general, overall themes, obviously, there's been a lot more crypto applications over the last year or so. A lot of more robo traders, um, robo advisors, stuff like that. Um, some are good, some aren't. But we're, we're not basically saying, I believe crypto is the future. We're only going to focus on cryptos. That's not the point. Because if we don't deliver potential solutions to the problems that our partners have provided to us, we're not doing our job. So it's really leaning... Or, or, or listening to what our partners are looking for at that current time and helping them solve that problem. Understood. And without naming any names of specific startups that have gone through your accelerator program, has your family office itself integrated fintech or financial technology to enhance your own operations today? Yeah, we have, uh, I forget the number, but I think three to five teams over the last two years. So combining, there's 20 of them, uh, are working with our family office or some of our other companies. So that's part of the kind of internal ecosystem is we we understand the market they're in, fintech. We may or may not have a need for them internally. So they have access to signing us as a client quickly, but we can see what they're trying to do and what if it fits, fits a need in the market and make the introduction for them. So, yes, I think three to five teams roughly are in the process or I've already started working with some of our internal 
organizations or companies. And what are some of the operational things that these companies are assisting your family office with? Yeah, so the ones off the top of my head, there's one that is kind of like AI-driven compliance. So that's very, very valuable for us. There's a um, one that's working on a type, a new type of. Uh, it's hard to discuss them without talking names, and I'm, I'm not dis- I'm not not disclosing names because I want to hide it. I just also don't want to offend any other teams because all the teams have been amazing. I'm proud of every single team. You know, we're not here to force or sign a contract simply to help a team if it doesn't have any value add to our internal. Like we obviously have problems as a company as well, right? So, you know, if any of those companies solve our problem, we will 100% work with them and not all companies are designed to fix our problems. So, Lex, so I can send names on that. So LexAlign is the, is the AI-driven compliance, so we're working with them. Manzel is doing Sharia-compliant mortgages and also uh, portfolios. So they're working with us because to utilize our wealth management license in Canada to launch uh, a Sharia-compliant portfolio in Canada. So it would be kind of be their branding, but with us as a portfolio manager. MarketsFlow is a, is a very high-end, sophisticated robo-advisor, but much more... Uh, it's more active trading than all the other robo advisors out there, which are really passive ETF versions. So he's actually outperformed the market, uh, but allowing it for the masses. So again, he's partnering with us with our license in Canada to allow him to um, ex- expand from England into Canada. I'm just mentioning the ones this year because they're more fresh and top of my head. And HODLBOT, which is, I guess, a robo-advisor for the crypto space, is potentially working with, with one of our other companies in, in developing, um, helping them be more, in, more efficient in the way they can onboard their clients. The year before, we're potentially doing something with Fundseeder and Kuru. Both are doing great stuff on, on, in their space as well. So there's a lot of companies that internally have potential ways to work with us. And if they do, obviously, we will 100% do that. And if it, it doesn't solve a problem for us, they obviously solve a problem for someone else, and we'll make those necessary introductions to our, our to our vast network. Understood. So those all sound like great companies. And uh, I want to ask you to get creative here. If there was a company that could come through your accelerator tomorrow to solve you know, a specific challenge that you, you haven't seen uh you haven't seen a company tackle yet. Um, you know, w- what is that challenge and, and what does the company look like? Very good question. And it's very, it is very open-ended. You know, uh, it goes back to what Commercial Par- Passport is doing from the first cohort and also Matt.ai in this cohort. My biggest annoyance being in this market and anyone, even like probably yourself, is the inefficiencies of onboarding clients, the KYC, the AML like even for yourself and myself, opening up bank accounts nowadays, it's all still paper-based. It's a very inefficient. It's very long. It goes to compliance. You know, especially offshore, living in Bahamas, it takes me two weeks to a month to open up a bank account sometimes for clients. And it's not a sexy spot. It's not like you're an Uber or doing anything that's flashy. But I always feel that the back office part of the financial sector is way behind on the technology front. But no one really looks at it because it's, it's, it's not sexy. It's not something that sells when you're talking to your shareholders. But it's the biggest inefficiency in this market and the biggest annoyance for clients. And I think Commercial Passport's doing that from the retail side. And Matt.ai is doing that uh, from the, the commercial side or the, the, the business side. So that's always something that I've always found. If someone can really solve that, and these two companies are from a different angle, but I think that's the biggest overlooked area of headaches 
for both sides, be it the, 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 the financial institution and the end user. Yeah, I, I, I hear that. I think, you know, being in the, in the payments industry, we hear that on a daily basis is the act of knowing your customer, uh, filling out the paperwork to actually open an account um, or provide services like processing payments is one of the more manual tasks uh, that remains in the industry that adds just time, complexity and cost. Uh, and it would be great to move to a world where that's much more automated. So it sounds like you're you're moving the fintech industry in that direction with your startup accelerator. Uh, so I want to thank you for uh, explaining a bit about uh, what you're doing today. And Brendan, how can folks get in touch with you to learn more about the accelerator? And and maybe if we have some some startups listening today, how can they apply? Yeah. Yeah, just before that, I just forgot. I think um, we actually have been quite lucky in getting great teams on that AYC KML, KYC AML. So owl.co is, is killing it on their side as well. Uh, Lexaline is doing that, matt.ai in commercial passport. So it hasn't been an under, like an obvious theme for us, but those, all four of those companies are targeting that space in, in different ways. And all the other companies, Holobot, Manzel, uh, Kuru, Funseeder, uh, Ivy Lander, all of them are all different, but they're I'm proud of all the teams and all of them have, have been moving forward. And actually some of them have just closed their second round. So we're, you know, they're, they're, the model has proved itself. So we're quite excited for the future, but yeah, for me, uh, all the information for the accelerator is on the website, www.holtaccelerator.ai. I think my email is up there as well. And it also lists all of our advisors and gives a great idea of what our teams are doing and happy. Anyone can reach out to me anytime and continue conversations. Any startup looking to the, there's technically an open and closed application window, but the, even before the application window opens, you can always apply. So anyone who's looking to potentially get into the next cohort uh, next year, they are happy to, to apply right now on our website. All their data will be stored and, and we can already start you know, doing some research on them in advance of the actual application window opening. Well, it was great to learn about your accelerator and about some of the things that you're focused on in the space, including AI. Uh, Brendan, thanks for joining the Payments Innovation Podcast. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Currency Cloud is an online payments company that makes international money transfers fast and simple for businesses. We're building a borderless future where international transactions are seamless for a better user experience. Discover the world's most trusted payment platform and our toolkit of developer-friendly APIs at CurrencyCloud.com. You've been listening to the Payments Innovation Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe now on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Until next time.